raise your hand now on WNEX. Make it, we gon', we gon' get down, dear. Don't forget tonight at Uncle Sam's, the Wolfman, live in person. I want to hear you say it's all right. Say it's all right. Boss Radio, 93KHJ. Welcome back to Radio One Happened, episode, believe it or not, 26. I'm Terry Bettis, hoping you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving. As always, I'm here with podcast partner Jim Christofferson. Thank you, Terry. Thanksgiving was great. Unusual as we observed social distancing protocols and enjoyed visiting with our out-of-town kids using Zoom same technology we use to do the podcast. But I did get a chance to see three of my kids in person, gave them a little elbow bump. There you How go. About yours? Now, ours, ours was good too, small crowds, um, very small crowds. In fact, at our house on uh, Thursday, it was a crowd of two. Ah, well, good. But, but that's okay. We connected uh, with all of our family and everything's good. So uh, hopefully yeah. that is a one time only thanksgiving uh like that yeah i'm tired of tired of all of it but yes it certainly was a memory well no guest on the program today but i believe we have a very interesting topic ever since we started this program back several months ago we've alluded to the fact that 2020 is the 100th anniversary of commercial radio not necessarily not necessarily radio in and of itself, but commercial radio. And it all started with the presidential election of 1920. I think they wanted to find out a way that people could hear the results of the election before they read it in the next day's newspaper. Absolutely. And they, uh, they found out a way. It was a very interesting election, not as controversial as some have become, especially this past election, but one we'll examine when we return. But first, as always, a word from our commercial announcer. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Repo Sleepo, the only warehouse showroom in town that features only repossessed waterbeds. And remember, your credit is always good at Ed's, as long as you pay in cash. Love that guy, Gary Owens. He's great. Now, as the dust settles, and I hope it's settling from the 2020 election, which has been a real barn burner, let's take a dive into the presidential elections over the history of the country and, and the role that radio has played a part in. Now, using my best Ted Baxter imitation, it all began at a 5,000-watt radio station in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Woodrow Wilson was the incumbent, but the leaders of the Democratic Party felt as if he was too frail to run again. So they nominated James Cox to run against Warren G. Harding, who won the presidential race with a lot of money and support from big business. Here's how that broadcast began. This is KDKA of the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company in East Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We shall now broadcast the election returns. We are receiving these returns through the cooperation and by special arrangement with the Pittsburgh Post and Sun. Very well done. I think you could have been one of those 1920s studio announcers. <laughs> so, uh, and, and typical Terry Bettis fashion, you found some audio of 100 years ago? 
We did find audio, so sit back. We're going to play you uh, maybe a couple of different uh, takes on the audio. Some of it's a little hard to listen to, but remember, this is 100 years ago. Even saying that is incredible. Mm -hmm. But this is a recording from 100, a century ago on KDKA in Pittsburgh. We can think of the Harding and Coalition running well ahead of Cox and Roosevelt. At the present time, Harding has collected more than 16 million votes against some 9 million for the Democrats. We'll give you the state vote in just a moment. But first, we'd like to ask you to let us know if this broadcast is reaching you. Please drop us a card, address station KDKA, Westinghouse, East Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Well, Terry, we're so ratings driven nowadays, but I can guarantee Nielsen wasn't around back in November of 1920. I wonder, I wonder how many people were actually listening, do you know? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, before I give you what their estimate was on how many people listen, listen to this. The commercial license for the station had just been issued six days before the election. Now, oh, think, wow. of, think about that. As slow as communication was a hundred years ago, if you get to within six days, they were probably sweating bullets. Yeah, saying, right. "Are we going to get our our license in time?" Mm-hmm. You know, today you can get them in two minutes, but back then, you mm-hmm. know, they may be waiting for the horse drawn carriage to, <laughs> to to deliver the the license. Yeah. You know, in a big envelope or frame, but mm-hmm. and there were only a few thousand people that even had receivers to get the results. Yeah. So out of a, a few thousand, their estimate is that a hundred people were listening to those returns, a hundred. Oh, wow. Now, this historic newscast was a hit and ultimately changed the way people obviously received information. It instilled a greater sense of immediacy to the news as radio now could share stories with the public as they unfolded instead of waiting until the following day to read it in a, a newspaper. But the man who we credit with this is by the name of Frank Conrad, a little bit of a maverick, uh, went where no man had gone before. Uh, cue, the, cue the sound effects from Star Trek in a little shed on top of the tallest building in Westinghouse's East Pittsburgh plant to broadcast this news event, which, as you have already said, was a Warren G. Harding presidential victory over uh, fellow Ohioan James Cox. The little shed was equipped with an antenna, a 100-watt transmitter, a candlestick telephone microphone buffered into a cardboard box and several chairs. If you can picture that, if you can picture that, that's what he was uh, broadcasting, the election returns in 1920. Wow. And we had his voice on this podcast just a few moments ago. That's interesting. You know, we we also had a, a very popular podcast a couple of months ago talking about what call letters mean. Uh, just did a quick re- Google search on that. KDKA, what do you think that, that would stand for? I'm thinking that stood for, um, I can't even begin to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. KDKA doesn't stand for anything. They were simply assigned to the station with its broadcast license from a roster maintained to provide identification for ocean-going ships 
and marine shore stations uh, outside of the United States. So again, that license that you talked about coming within six days of the, uh, of the broadcast uh, was actually a sign. So they didn't change the call letters to like Cape Hit or Cape Pennsylvania or anything like that. They kept the KDKA call letters, which were assigned to them from the FCC. Of course, they had no idea uh, in 1920 where radio was going to go. Right. Yeah. And so they had no idea that call letters would become a thing mm-hmm. and that and that call letters sometimes identified, you know, who you were or where you were or more importantly, who owned the radio right. station. They probably thought, uh, well, you, well, we don't have a choice. Those are our call letters. KDKA. Let's let's run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oldest radio station in the country. Well, wow. there's some. Um, Plenty of websites that our listeners can access if they want to hear more. Uh, but but how about one final piece of audio, if you can ring it up for us? It wasn't really an election return broadcast, but it's certainly one of the most famous presidential events ever to be associated with broadcast. It's the Kennedy-Nixon debate. And at the time, the charming and charismatic Kennedy won the debate by voters who watched it on TV, but the radio listeners, Jim, thought that Nixon won. Nixon's the one. Yeah, that's, that's right. Here's some audio of that classic uh, debate. The television and radio stations of the United States and their affiliated stations are proud to provide facilities for a discussion of issues in the current political campaign by the two major candidates for the presidency. The candidates need no introduction. The Republican candidate, Vice President Richard M. Nixon, and the Democratic candidate, Senator John F. Kennedy. According to rules set by the candidates themselves, each man shall make an opening statement of approximately eight minutes duration and a closing statement of approximately three minutes duration. In between, the candidates will answer or comment upon answers to questions put by a panel of correspondents. In this, the first discussion in a series of four joint appearances, the subject matter has been agreed will be restricted to internal or domestic American matters. And now for the first opening statement by Senator John F. Kennedy. In the election of 1860, Abraham Lincoln said the question was whether this nation could exist half slave or half free. In the election of 1960 and with the world around us, the question is whether the world will exist half slave or half free, whether it will move in the direction of freedom in the direction of the road that we are taking, or whether it will move in the direction of slavery. The things that Senator Kennedy has said, many of us can agree with. There is no question but that we cannot discuss our internal affairs in the United States without recognizing that they have a tremendous bearing on our international position. There is no question but that this nation cannot stand still because we are in a deadly competition a competition not only with the men in the Kremlin, but the men in Peking. We're ahead in this competition, as Senator Kennedy, I think, is implied. But when you're in a race, the only way to stay ahead is to move ahead. You know, and as we were putting this program together, I listened to like even the George Bush, Al Gore debate. Um, People were a little more civil back 100 years ago or even 20 years ago when it comes to presidential debates, it seems. I mean, we've had some zingers with Ronald Reagan and and whatnot, but um, 
Yeah, a lot, a lot more civil. Well, that's it. That's episode 26. We're still working on our guest list for the next one. The holidays are making it a challenge to connect, but we've got some great guests coming up, topics lined up. So keep that web browser pointed right here. That's right. Here's how to get in touch with us. If you have an air check or an item you'd like to share, um, a promotion you'd like to talk about, uh, some uh, event or happening at a radio station that you grew up with. Um, you know, I think one interesting topic for one of our uh, shows one time is how you got your first job in radio. Mm -hmm. and I, th I think we would probably have some uh, interesting uh, stories to, to, to <laughs> I <remember> share. <laughs> I remember when you shared yours with Bobby Ocean, you and he, mine was a little more, uh, mine was a little more straightforward. Yours <laughs> and his were bizarre. Yeah, I, but, but I bet we'd hear all kinds. So yeah, yeah, yeah. send an email to radio what happened at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a place to listen, look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, and Pandora. And join us again in our next program when we ask the question, Radio, what happened? CBQ, Shotgun Tom Kelly at 334. The Sun City Streaker, X-Rock TV, Trucking through traffic at a 524 mark. Plus Radio 93 KHJ.